1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: Hello everyone. Welcome to the new episode of the Roker Report. You're joined by me, Damien, your host, and of course, with me, we've got Tom. How are you doing, Tom? Not too shabby, mate. How about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good after yesterday. I'm, I'm very, very happy. And yeah, Also, we've got James. James, how's things? I'm good, mate. Very, very good. Good, good. What about you, Gav? Wicked, oh class, Wicked. choss, mint, everything. Callum.
2: <laughs> Callum, are you feeling
0: happier, optimistic this week?
2: I think I'm in love with Victor and B.
0: Oh, that's fair enough. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So obviously, joining us off the back of a a, a really important result, actually, and the, a hard fought victory, I found. Um, there are so many positives to take. I, I, I don't know where to start, So I'll probably just leave you with Gav for a minute. It was at the game. Gav, what was that like? How 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 would you describe that match?
3: Just immense. It's 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 hard to explain really because I've not seen us start a, a home game. Um, with so much vigor and just tenacity, and mm. we just wanted the, the we wanted to take it by the scruff of the And it was kind of it was the kind of start which I've been expecting for a while because David Moyes keeps telling us that uh, in in his program notes in his press conferences and all that he, t- he keeps telling us that uh, the home fans are really important uh, for what they're trying to do going forward. And when I thought about that. After reading it the first time, I kind of thought, well, we don't play in a way which, which ignites the fans. We kind of start slowly. We'll grow into a game. A lot of our goals at the start of the season particularly were late in games. Mm. Um, whereas at the weekend, we started like a house on fire. Leicester just didn't know how to deal with us. We'd quite clearly done our homework and we'd, we'd seen which players to target because Danny Simpson just had the a nightmare against Anichibi and from the off, we targeted that left-hand side. Our right-hand side was probably um, probably more o- underexposed, I would say, um, but the left-hand side of the pitch for Sunderland just took them to bits and it should come as no surprise, really, that we won the game because in that first 10, 15 minutes, it could have been five or six, really, and, uh, contrary to what match of the day and and the sky highlights showed you, We we really were the by far the better team so um i thought at half time we could have maybe thrown it because you get in that position at times of sun and following sun and you just think well we've had a lot of chances and we haven't put them away defoe missed a really good one with his left foot where he kind of just scuffed it uh and i, I thought at half time well, we're not going to win this it just doesn't feel right i've got the feeling in the pit me stomach that's mm-hmm. not going to go right and and what ends up happening really was quite the opposite we I don't know if in, you can call it fortunate because we had injuries but bringing on the two centre midfield players at half time just totally changed it up because we had we had Kirchhoff strolling about the pitch just running the game although he started quite slowly he grew into it again he, he played well and then Larsson Lawson just was with Seb Lawson. You, you've always got to know with him. He's got a killer pass and He's locked around. He was trying to get him behind, trying to put Devone behind, mm. and we just looked a bit more proactive from midfield. And it's the kind of midfield performance I've been asking for for ages. We, I said it a few weeks ago. We haven't seen a good midfield performance yet this season. And mm. for me, that second half was about as good as it gets with Sunland. So the crowd loved it. Pickford just topped things off for that save at the end, nearly jumping in the south stand. It, it, it it's sort of feel like we've got a connection again with the players. And oh. to be honest, um, players yeah. like Anicibi and Pickfad and and even to a lesser extent, Watmore and Billy Jones, I would never have said at the start of the season that uh, they would be the catalysts nice. for Sunderland nice. turning nice. things around. But there we go. That's the case, you know.
0: Well, I mean, you say about the um, about the midfield and obviously the changes made at half-time. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But uh, what about the decision to go with Pienaar to begin with? Because obviously we... Um, we weren't very nice about Pienaar last week because I recall we were we were, all, well, I, we were all a bit. I wasn't
3: either. Yeah. I wasn't either. Even 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 before the game, I was just like, "God, why is he playing?" Like, because after the way he played at, at Liverpool, it was it was pretty apparent that if anybody was deserving of being dropped, it was him. Mm. Um, but then. As I watched the first 10 15 minutes of game, I kind of realised, yeah, that I can see why he's playing now. Yeah. Leicester just didn't want to get involved in the tackle, which meant that Pino was getting all the time in the world to do what he wanted. And that was exactly the type of game that suits him. Uh, last week was a different matter altogether. He, he he didn't, well, he wasn't involved because Liverpool had all the ball and that didn't suit him. So uh, I've kind of got to give props to Moise for that because I would have dropped him, you know. But I thought that first half it was as. It was as good as a centre midfield performance from one single player as I've seen in a while because he, he wasn't under pressure, you know. And also we had uh, with
0: regards to a not yeah, curious selection thing, I suppose, with um, John O'Shea's performance at Anfield being so not exemplary, but certainly what you come to expect from a defender of his experience. I mean, what did you make of of Papi Gilabogy and his performance? What about what about you, Tom? What do you make of that?
4: Um I was Pleasantly surprised, I think, is a nice little f- turn of phrase to really sum up how well he played. I think the, the the main thing that he's done, certainly against Leicester, he seems to have cut out the rash challenges, mm. um, not really diving in for the ball. He looked very assured on the ball. And I think Gav was quite right saying that, you know, we didn't really... Well, our midfield haven't really been able to take hold of games. I think we were, we were a lot more effective in the middle of the park. Because Jilabodji was able to put his foot on the ball, take it out ten or fifteen yards, and allow the midfield to sort of to move off him at that point, he was that that sort of ideal ball playing defender that we've really cried out for. Um, I feel Coney and a, a few people have mentioned this. Coney's is very one footed. And maybe he struggles a little bit. He's he's almost a little bit static at times. Mm. And there was a, there was a point where he, he intercepted the ball, took it up the halfway line, and instead of carrying on, he kind of hesitated and just laid it off. Mm. I think Jill, Jill gave us something that, and I, we've seen it in flashes. But it, he was just so consistent on the weekend with his distribution that it was a, it an absolute joy to behold, in all honesty. And like I said, just the amount of other players he brought into the game, um, whether he was spraying it out wide to a to be, whether he was laying it off for and dong, it didn't matter who it was, he was absolutely superb. And on top of that, he defensively was, was brilliant as well. I mean, Slamani and Vardy. Aren't exactly slouchers, you know. Slomani's a twenty-eight million pound striker, and Jamie Vardy scored in eleven consecutive games last year. So to be able to nullify that threat with with such ease, in all honesty, uh, Leicester very rarely posed us a problem. I just honestly think that uh, it was a it was a performance of the highest order.
3: Fair yeah, enough. I mean
2: I, I i think I think we were definitely full value for the win. Um, you know, the we said last week um, there are points to be had from Leicester and they've been giving them away. I mean, they've got the worst, I think they've got the worst away record in the Premier League this season. Um, and true to form, you know, they, they didn't really put up a fight, um, especially until, I thought when Okazaki came on, they looked a lot better. Um, I I don't really see why they're not playing him because while, yeah, Vardy and Mares were immense last season, this season they look, they look indifferent and, and disinterested. They're not closing down. They're not sort of, you know, chasing, uh, chasing the ball to get it back and then break. And you know, I was quite disappointed with with Leicester. I thought they were very poor. But in terms of our performance, um, I thought Jelaboglu was was uh, was excellent. Um, you know, he he doesn't track Okazaki's run for the to the near post. And if we're being harsh, we can say, you know, that you should maybe be a bit tighter and see that run coming. But then again, it's a very good run and and it's a great finish as well. So. Uh, yeah, but all in all, I think we wanted to see um, we wanted to see positive changes, and we wanted to see uh, positivity from the off. You know, we want us to, start, like Gav said, we want to start games quickly rather than letting teams get on top of us early on. You know, we've seen games this season against Hull and West Ham and Bournemouth and Crystal Palace where in the opening stages we've been quite poor, quite sort of late to start and, and you know, yesterday was it was completely different. We were, we were on them from the off and they didn't really have a have a chance. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can only beat what's in front of you. Like I said, they're not the team they were last season. Um, their defence are, are more exposed to attacks without Kante and Drinkwater. Um, their attackers aren't chasing the ball. There's no one in midfield winning it back. Uh, their goalkeeper looks very shaky, but you know, you can only beat what's in front of you. So it's a, it's a great win and and we're beating the teams around us. So it's fantastic.
0: Well, we've got, um, just really briefly, I want to go back and touch on, on package because we've got a question here from Twitter from, um, I don't know what his name is. Dave, I assume. Um, yeah, he's asking what are your thoughts on Pappy, a man who collected Chris packet tokens to play football, now transformed into a defender. <laughs> now that I don't know where he's getting that information from, because I just gave it a Google and I can't find anything about it. But that's a bit of a fascinating <laughs> fact of him, like something really that came out of nowhere. That surprised me a little bit. I wonder how that happened. How did that come about? Why well, do you need to collect Chris packet tokens to play football? It's
2: inspirational. <laughs> Is what it is.
0: It is inspirational <laughs> if someone would explain it to me and why why that helped him somehow. He couldn't do it without his Chris Packard tokens.
1: Good for him though. Yeah, no. Um... He does epitomize He does epitomise how how well we've been, how well we've played actually in the last few weeks, mm. and just a player who was so out of sorts to come into the team and be looked like a man mountain at the back. Yeah. Um, but just to touch on Victor and Ichibi, does anyone has anyone ever seen a player who's had this much impact into a team. I mean, I, I struggle to struggle to remember one. I just think since he's come into the team, we've been transformed. When Victor needs to be plays well, we play well. We just look a completely different kettle of Fish going forward. He is he's, he's an absolute monster. I mean it's inter- like, it's
0: it's interesting to think on that note that we got we swapped Jermaine Defoe for Josie Altador and we got Victor Needs to be on a free. It's like we complain about our transfer business being mank, but is it really that bad? If the, if those sort of players can come out yeah. of there, we moy hope did keep fit.
1: Really ah. hope we can keep him fit because obviously he's he's had these injury problems in the past, and he showed so much promise. But I mean, I I, I genuinely have never seen a striker play for Sunderland. Play consistently over the last four or five games. Just, just boss defenders. Like yeah. he made, he, he looked like they weren't even there. He could have had a penalty in the first half, couldn't he? I think it was Morgan was all over him, and the referee right. didn't give it. Mm. And Van could
4: have had a penalty in the second half, at all. Well, didn't David Moyes come out this week and say Victor and each of he's playing like a twenty million pound striker, and he is, isn't he? I mean, it's, yeah, he is. I see the Drogba thing getting thrown around, and I know people are just pulling the leg of of people who get wound up by that kind of thing. But ultimately, he, he's playing with such a verve and swagger and presence on the pitch that I think is the only person you can compare to him in the last sort of 10 or 15 years. Whether or not he can carry the form on throughout the rest of the season and get enough goals and inspire the team on to stay up is, is another matter. But ultimately, right now, Victor Anicebi is the form striker in the Premier League. And I know there's, there's a question sort of lingering around there. How long is it going to take... For a team to figure out how to deal with Victor and And the fact that teams are gonna to have to figure out how to play with Victor and is only gonna give more chances to Jermaine Defoe and Fabio Barini when he gets back into the team. So ultimately, even if an out of sorts, his 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 mere presence on the pitch is enough to create chances for other people without even being directly involved. So to say that he's a, a £20 million striker right now is almost an understatement, no, honestly.
0: I think that it comes, well, as I already touched on it, but yeah, the it was a very underwhelming signing, wasn't it? I remember when, when we found out that we had him and it was the, everyone was disparate, every, every, no one could could wrap their head around it. There weren't many arguments going around that were pro in each me. At all, everyone was really like, "Is this the best we can do?" Is the when I'm I think I'm trying to remember who else was tossed around at the time, the other names that we were looking
2: at, and oh, Ahkadiol, that Adebayor was one. Yeah. Like
3: that, yeah. Bentner,
0: Bentner, yeah. All <laughs> oh, well, I mean,
2: I, I I remember being very upset that um, that we had signed. We'd had to sort of go and sign an ECB after the end of the transfer window and Leicester had gone out and spent 30 million pounds on Islam Slimani mm. you know and you think and you think oh god look at that man look at what they're they're spending all this money on a big strong goal scoring you know attacking player god wouldn't you just love to be Leicester and if you'd if you if you'd looked at that game and said which of those two big brutes up front is the 30 million pound player yeah. It's no contest. It's it's no contest at all and it's um, it's amazing. I don't think anyone could have expected him to have such a ridiculous impact mm. on on this it team. Is. It's it's absolutely insane, but football is is insane. So we really shouldn't be surprised, but he's just I mean he, he's unplayable at times. You can't get you can't shift him off the ball. It doesn't matter who he's up against. You can't get around him. You can't outmuscle He's got decent pace, he's got a good shot on him, he's got good ball control, he can pass the ball, he can knock it past you and cross it. It's it's literally like you're watching a thirty million pound player. Mm.
1: But we got him we got him for free after the transfer window, course. It's just
2: it's just madness.
1: It so, is. That's <laughs> the only word to describe it is is madness or ridiculous. Because as you mentioned, Slimani, lads, he is awful. I'm sorry, he's absolutely dire. He's not a chance he's a Premier <laughs> League striker. Uh... He certainly didn't tell us how you really
0: feel, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, well, OK, we've said oh, God, there's quite a few positives there, but uh, moving back to what we were saying about the midfield, um, obviously Kirchhoff and Larson coming back, definitely, definitely something that we needed, those midfield reinforcements. You can tell that they've been playing together for the under-23s because they didn't seem to have any problems linking up together yesterday. They no issues at all. You wouldn't think that they'd been injured. You wouldn't think they left. Um, on that note, we've been asked a question about uh, Kirchhoff and whether or not he'll be given a new contract in January. Uh, that's an interesting one. That's an interesting topic for debate, really, because we were talking about uh, how we'd raise funds in January anyway, and Kirchhoff was one of those that was sort of battered around. But obviously, without him signing a new contract we can't get any money for him really so is it going to be something that he'd want to stay do you think will he he want to be here will he want to continue will he want his wages up or will they be something that they're looking to get rid of I
1: I think he'd want to come I think he'd want to stay you know because if you look at his career it's been so stop start hasn't it and he at Sunderland's actually other than maybe this season has been the only place he's actually consistently played so I I I really think he probably would want to stay, and I think we'd be stupid not to give him another eighteen months at least. Mm. Um, I mean, once I think Gav said at the start, he, he was a bit wasteful at the start when he came on, but once he got into the swing of things, I mean, he's a Rolls Royce. He is just so classy on the ball. Uh, he just seems to have so much time, and he never panics. He's he's a joy to watch for me. Fair enough. What does
0: everyone, Gav? What do you make about the whole? Uh, we've got no money situation, I know we've touched on it in the past and it's quite a depressing subject, but obviously January is mm. looming now, it's very much around the corner,
3: what are we, yeah, well, we going to do? I've found with, with um, the Kirchhoff thing, it, it's hard it's hard to really, at this point, even less than a month from January, to, to say what's going to happen with any of the players, because we've seen with Jones and each should be, are even, Gilla we had a lot of these lads written off weeks ago and we're talking about them now being important players and it's, it's hard to say what's going to happen in, in the weeks to come. With Kirchhoff, um, providing he can get through the whole of December and play a lot of football, I can't see why we wouldn't give him a new contract, but that's the big thing, isn't it? Like him and be were given short-term contracts for a reason because of sketchy... Fitness issues, albeit under different managers, mm-hmm. and uh, Kirchhoff had a good 45 minutes the other day, but that's not to say he's going to have another good 45 minutes next week, or even get through the full game. We've just got to take the game Out of time with him, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, talking about money and stuff, it was it was pretty damning that Moyes wouldn't really be drawn on what he's got to spend um, when he was asked about it in the press conference by Sky. They, they asked him uh, before the game have you got much to spend in January? And he said, I hope so. Um but I don't don't know yet. And that, that kinda tells you everything really. He's um I'm gonna I'm gonna hazard that if we are out of the relegation zone with um January starting, if if we're in a decent position going into January, which our form would suggest we might be, um the owner might be more willing to power money for players. If we'd have been if would have been um bottom the league with two points still, there's absolutely no chance it would have been a Villa situation like last year where Villa's owner had given up by January and just said, Nah, I'm not doing it. And I think I think I think we've got to maybe take into consideration that um, Moyes is kind of playing for money here. Somebody made this suggestion on the site actually um with with that match with the match preview it was James he, he mentioned that um that Moyes is kind of at the minute with each passing game Proven uh, short, you know. I need I need it to spend because we've got something here. We just need to add to it, um, and it's it's going to be hard for me as a fan. Um, if we're at the end of January, and we haven't signed anybody to to accept it. If we're still within touch and distance, because this this club's Premier League safety and and uh, status going forward. Has to be paramount. It doesn't matter how much it costs, and yeah. that's why the owner owns the football club. At the end of the day, he's here to fund mm. us. He's not yet. He's not yet to just um, pass us off when the going gets tough. You know, which I don't believe he has done. But if the suggestion is that he might, then I wouldn't. I wouldn't be accepting of that. If if the players are continuing to play the way they are, it's I a think, tricky um, one. It's a tricky one.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I I think that um, Moyes will be very loath to part with any players in in January. Um, you know, the, there's a, there's an issue with with money. There's also an issue with wages. Whether we have the money on wages, I think Kirchhoff will be on a decent whack. We don't. I don't know whether it's sort of performance based or, or you know appearance based. Um, but um, with Gooch and Watmore looking like they'll be out for a few months, um, you would assume that he might not want to get rid of of someone like Kazri. Um I think. Injuries have been coming thick and fast, and obviously with Catamol still out as well, you would imagine that Kirchhoff would at least see out the season. After that point, um, I think it's anyone's guess as to whether he wants to stay, or whether he thinks maybe he's earned a better contract elsewhere, um, or whether he's even in Moyes' plans, and Moyes would rather reinvest those wages in, you know, the kind of signing like uh, like Undong, um, you know, a lot younger, um, you know, obviously a better injury history. Um, it, it it really, I think it's anyone's guess right now, but I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Kirchhoff leave at the end of the season at all. Um, I, but I would be very surprised to see see him go in January. Will you say you
0: say. say about Kasri and him being to apart, but it's it's not like he's getting much of a, a look in under Moyes, is he? He's, even when he's on the bench, no, he's I, not brought on. He, he, do you think there's something going on there? Is he, what's he done? Has he upset Moyes, or does he just not like his style of play? I think,
2: I think that he's an he's an option. He's a body in the squad. Um and if it comes to it he can play him and we know he's got quality. I think I think, you know, it there's obviously just a, a fundamental uh disagreement as to as to how to get the best out of him and, and how to um you know, how to use him in a team. Um Kazri has looked like he hasn't been enjoying his football this season. So whether there's a personality clash there, um whether it's purely a footballing disagreement you know, we we don't know, but um, he's another one who, at the end of the season, I would imagine he'd go and If Watmore and Gooch weren't injured, I would say that if they got an offer for him, they might have sold him. But unless we get a ridiculous offer for him, which I don't think we we would, I I just can't see Moyes getting rid of another player from his squad. Um, you know, it's obviously we're, we're, it's all speculation, but um, but I, I I do think that. Uh, there is, there, there is a personality clash there. There is a, there is a disagreement between the two that ultimately I think we'll see Kasri go, but the situation at the moment will force Moyes' hand to at least keep him around the squad, barring a ridiculous offer.
1: I yeah, I think, I think Callum's bang on because I think, I think he probably would have sold him in January had it not been for the injuries to Gooch and Watmore. I think the, the injury to Duncan looks, obviously looks really bad. Um, hopefully it's not going to be another six months or something before we see him but it it could very well be so regardless if Kasri's on big wages and he he probably is a very sellable asset we we do need bodies Um, we've got cup games coming up as well Um, I think we'd be maybe a bit short-sighted if we if we were to sell him Um, again as Callum said unless we were able to get you know, 8 to 10 million for him which you know wouldn't be overly surprising in this remarkable market um, if you can't get that kind of money I'd, I'd want to keep my round
4: I think there's a, there's a serious issue at the club and I, I, I don't want to be that person who just screams and shouts that Ellis Short has ruined our club because history and statistical evidence suggests that he, he seems to have tried his best to make the club a success but unfortunately he's hired an absolute ton of crap people around him who will advise them? We're at this point now where, uh, with our financial fair play, which it, it's basically a projection of how much you're going to lose this season versus how much is your uh, chairman investing, and basically the more money you can make means the more money you can spend. So Sunderland, our commercial activity—and sorry if this bores anybody—but our commercial activity is absolute garbage. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we don't make any money anywhere. The only money we've had is from what Ellis Short has has sort of thrown at the club. And he can't do that anymore because of financial fair play. He's done that too much in the past. He can't continue to do it. And alongside that, we also have the the salary cap, which clubs have to abide to, which follows a, a similar set of rules to financial fair play, whereby the amount of money you make kind of dictates how much you can spend on wages. So for me, we're in an absolute sort of up the creek situation with regards to our finances. We really can't bring anybody in. We've got a, a, a fair amount of players on, on, on good money contracts and Kone and Kazri are, are but two of those players who maybe we actually might see as expendable in gen, in January. Um, getting rid of over £100,000 worth of of wages in the January window might be um, sort of attractive, not only to David Moyes but Martin Bain, especially when you consider there's going to be resale value, which is what, as we've heard from Martin Bain, is sort of, Where we're going to pick up on our commercial side of things is buying players like Lamina Kone for like five million and then selling them on for 15, 18, whatever the figure was quoted. Mm -hmm. Same with uh, it's We could sell him for a profit to the right club. So I wouldn't be surprised if those are the players that go in January. I know people are saying about Pickford and I don't think he'll go in January for this simple reason. Jordan Pickford's not on a massive amount of money at this club. And and when you sell a player, from what I can gather from reading as many articles as possible, doing research, you've got to think of a player sale almost, or a player purchase, almost like the sale of a house. Very few people whack £200,000 down on a house, or in the case of Jordan Pickford, £20 million. So it's not as if we're going to get a massive chunk of money given to us, unless the likes of Manchester United, who can throw that silly money around, come in and give us a ridiculous offer. So, ultimately, if we sell Pickford, we're not going to be able to see that money in the short mm. term. The likes of Lamina Kone and Casri gone again, we're not going to see that money in the short term, but what's great about those sales would be that it, it, it frees up a wage mm. bill. So, now we can go out and we can sort of bring players in, maybe if it's even on loan, or maybe if uh, we do the, the classic David Moy scenario of scouring the lower leagues for, for bargains or whatever. But, ultimately, I think Kasri and Kone there's a very good possibility they will go in January. Pickford doesn't necessarily make financial sense, unfortunately. And I think as well, um, Moyes and Bain seem to have a really good idea of of what's going on on the on the financial side of things. And I mean, and Dong's a great a great display of that. People think 13 million, but we've said this before: it's not 13 million. We've paid something like a million pounds for him so far. The rest is agreed as like a future. A future payment plan, mm. almost. So much like you buy a house with a deposit. The deposit was about a million pounds. We still owe twelve. Mm. But ultimately, I think Moyes and Bain are looking for the fact that okay, maybe he has a great season. He's only 22. Maybe the likes of Arsenal, Tottenham, somebody becomes interested and offers us 20. We made seven million pounds from that deal. So I think ultimately that's the way you've got to try and look at our transfers. And it, it is tricky to try and to try and fathom it all out. And I'm not saying I'm an expert by any means. But I think you've just got to have a, a, a long-term plan and. I mean, one player that that I would throw into the ring as an, an option in January is somebody like Sebastian Giovinco. I don't know. I mean, I live in America, so MLS is something I'm relatively familiar yeah. with. He's been absolutely superb for Toronto, and the American season's finished now. Hmm. So ultimately, he's going to be available in January. He's, he doesn't have anything going on. He's going to be available, whether it's on a short term loan or a purchase, whatever. But that's the kind of player we're going to be looking for. We're not going to go out and we're not going to buy players who are just going to fit straight into the first team and be absolutely superb because you've got to pay money for that, unfortunately. We're going to have to wheel and deal and, and, and bring in bargains that make financial sense but can also bring something, it's a, it's sorry, something it's to the team. shame about
0: that when you're talking about wheeling and dealing because I feel like we were always in much better hands when we had Allardyce doing that. He's got the gift of gab, hasn't he? He can bring in those players and make he those does. promises. Can Moyes? I
4: think, I think if you look at Moyes' track record, and somebody feel free to jump in once I've, I've made this last point, Moyes' track record suggests he can do that. Mm. It really, really does. If you look back at Everton, and I mean, even to an, to an extent at um, Man United, when you look at the other managers who've come in and haven't done as well as he did, uh, replace Fergie is an impossible mm. task. But ultimately, his his track record of, of bringing in younger players and either selling them on for a profit or making them into a, um, you know, a crux of the team... Phil Jagelka still at the heart of that Everton defence. Um, Leighton Baines, another another really good example. He has a track record. And I, and I don't know what the other lads think, but outside of maybe Sam Allardyce, David Moyes probably the best man to take us forward in that sense. Yeah, you'd probably
1: think so, Tom. Like, he, I mean, he, he, we, were all, we were all a bit worried, weren't we, a few weeks ago. But if you look at Man United's team now, the likes of Mata and Fellaini are still getting in there, which shows that maybe David Moyes is... Is going to bring in dependable players who you know, shouldn't really let you down on a consistent basis. But um, on the other hand, he has brought people like Jermaine Beckford and people like that into Everton who are completely cool. flopped. So it's, it's going to be just as much a um, a lottery, I think, to be honest. It's, it, the transfer market is so hard to get any sort of value. Um, we just need to have a bit of luck, like we've had with and uh, Nicchi.
0: Well, we've got yeah. I would completely agree with both those points, to be honest. Um, going back to our questions, we've got um, Dan who asked, "Where does Barini fit into this?" Now, I want Gav to take this one. I just want to say though, obviously, it, for me, I feel like it's uh, it's uh, it's not well timed when you consider the possibly very nasty injury from all accounts that Duncan Watmore picked up yesterday. I would think that he'd just slot right in right in at that position that Watmore's been playing. What do you think, Gav?
3: Mm, well, I would agree. Um, but I'm quite interested to see how far away he is from being ready because uh, from the indications I got from what Moy said, it seems as though he's not far off and he's back training. Um, whether next weekend's game at Swansea is a stretch too far from the start of game, I'd imagine it probably is, but that would be perfect, wouldn't it? If he was fit and ready to play against a team like Swansea, because the way they're playing, if you you, you need as many goal scorers on the pitch as mm. possible, nine goals they've conceded, I think, in the last in the last two games, and that that's just pathetic for a Premier League side. So, if we can get people on the pitch next week, who are capable of scoring goals, um, then then I, I think we're very capable of winning that match. And when you look at the players who we'll have other than Barini, Yanazai uh, and Kazri, I think it's quite clear, Kazri and Moyes aren't, aren't on the same wavelength, at least I don't think he, he rates them, or rates them enough to be starting them regularly, because he only played them when he had to, um, and then Yanazai is, well, how do I put it, I think Moyes has a lot of faith in Yanazai, but I don't think he's done enough, to warrant starts, after coming back from injury, uh, going off the back of his performances before he got injured which means of course Moyes has a decision to make doesn't he he's either got to pick uh, the lad who he doesn't rate but is fit and the fans quite like or he's got to pick his player who before he got injured was largely poor and in this system which we've came across he hasn't played he hasn't played in this 4-3-3 where the need to be on one side he would be expected to do all the work what Moyes does off the ball which is a tremendous amount um, and I think it would probably guarantee that Kazrik would do a better job of it than than Yanezai. So, short-term, we have an issue. We have to try and work out who's going to replace Duncan Watmore next week. Uh, I really do hope it's Fabio Barini. But I think once... It looks as though Watmore's going to be out a while. It looks like Gucci's out a while, which means that once Barini's fit, he's pretty much guaranteed to be starting. Um, and it can't come soon enough for me. I really don't think that we can afford with players back fit to have players like Barini not starting mm-hmm. games he's not he's not class by any stretch but he's a more dependable forward and i think he would i think he would really be a good player in this system because the system we're trying to employ uh, requires the wide players to to do a lot of graft off the ball and also weigh in with the goals and the assists and Barini for me has shown at least while he's been here that he's got all of those capabilities it's just a case of keeping them fit and then maybe then maybe getting the players around them who can do, do the do the dirty work as well. So yeah, for me, he starts as soon as he's fit. If that's next weekend, then great. Well,
2: yeah, I, I I think I think that um, that next weekend, uh, I wouldn't. I don't. I mean, I'm not a big yeah. I'm not a fan of Yana's I'm more. Of, I'm a fan of Kasri, I But I'm realistic in the sense that I I know that David Moyes doesn't particularly trust seem to trust him or like him in in his team. So. I'd probably rather have um, I'd probably rather have Larson maybe trying to give that role, you know, trying to do that role in the in the opening sort of half and, and see how he gets on. Trying to sort of, you know come in from the, the wide areas and maybe be a bit busy and, and put himself about because what more likes to get stuck in and have a you know get stuck into challenges and and Januzaj. Um, I, I can't I can't even think of a less combative player mm. than Januzaj. <laughs> so um, I I. I don't think Casri gets himself stuck in challenges either, by any stretch of the imagination. So Larson might give you that bit of intensity that Watmore, you know, he's not going to be as quick as Watmore or as busy, but he might still have that bite that Watmore has. Uh, but I agree with Gab completely in terms of when Barini's fit, he has to go back in. I'm a massive Fabio Barini fan. I think he's, um, I, I think he's, he's got a lot more quality than people give him credit for. He's got a lot of work ethic. Um, I, I think he is. Uh, he genuinely gets uh, what it means to play for Sunderland, um, and he's got that kind of drive about him where he can he can get the ball and he can he can push you forward and he can cheer up the crowd and he can deliver in the in the big games and score goals. And he's you know he's not a he's not a twenty goal season striker. He's not he's not Jermaine Defoe, but he will work and run and chase and he'll back that up with quality when it really matters mm-hmm. um and and he'll give the crowd a boost and he really gets the crowd on side as well and and you know i i've got so much time for for fabio barini um so when he's fit he has to go back in the team for me and and uh, and and take make that position his own that's true.
1: I think i think spot on colum like uh, I think the, you've hit the nail on the head with saying he scores big goals. He does. I mean, if you look, think back to his loan spell here as well, I mean, he, Fabio Barini, he just scores important goals, doesn't he? And when it comes down to it and you're in a, in a, hopefully we won't be in any more relegation six-pointers later on in the season, but if we are, Fabio Berini's the kind of man you want there who might nick your goal. Um, not just that, but he's he's quite a wily player. He's very intelligent and, and he, he's got a lot of experience. So, you know, where Duncan Watmore kind of puts his head down and will just run, Berrini may look to win some cheeky free kicks and and might to you know, gain new ground in other ways, which will probably be very, very important for the team. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. That's something I really admire about Fabio Berrini. I'm a massive (laughs) Berrini
0: fan as well. Um, we, We brought up Swansea. I suppose that's something that we should discuss. Yeah, nine goals conceded in two games. That's true. I think it's fair to say that Whatever Bob Bradley's plan was, it doesn't seem to really be working out for the team. Um, what do we think about that then? I mean, I'm not not really going to ask for predictions because anything can happen. And to be fair, they it was a dodgy game, like obviously not yesterday. That was very dodgy, that was pretty bad for them. But the week before as well, the way that, that game between them and... Was it Palace they were playing? It was like yeah. 4-3 at the end or 5-4? Do you know what I mean? That, Five, that, is just a, that is mental. So it's fair to say that they're leaking goals, without a doubt. I don't know whether it's their defenders, I don't know whether it's just their general plan or their tactics. But um, what do we expect from them? I mean, imagine if we start that game the same way we started yesterday. Uh, imagine what we could do to a team like that. Do you think, that, do you think they'll oh, yeah. have like an extra onus on them to... To the f- because it's us, do you know what I mean? Like can't lose to Sunderland. There's so many people have that, that idea that people don't. They have. They don't like it. Do they? that we're not exactly. what nah. I,
3: I
4: think Can that's a change. Change in opinion now. Surely it has to be. People are going to look at us and think. I, I guess what they think straight away now is how we're going to deal with Victor and Egypt yeah. isn't it? Really, <laughs> and and I think realistically, if we want to get a, a positive result, which I, we're more than capable of getting, we need, in all honesty. um... I think the the key to it's going to be to to put Swansea under the cosh from the beginning, like we did against mm. Leicester, unsettle them. Uh, I think at Swansea as well, the crowd are going to be very susceptible to um, t- to being under that pressure. They're going to, they're going to turn very quickly. I, yeah. I think uh, the the whole situation with their owners getting rid of um, uh, Guidolin and bringing in uh, I want I want to say Brad Bobley off the <laughs> uh, I knew you were sketches. <laughs> I really want to, and I'm like, uh, what's his name? <laughs> but I really do think that um, it, they're they're going to be very susceptible. They're trying their best to to come up, uh, to really embrace Bradley's <laughs> uh, what what he's trying to do with the team. But in America, you know, uh, obviously because he's American, there's a lot of coverage on Swansea mm. at the minute, and a lot of people are just they're, they're unsure why he's there. He hasn't really done much recently. And I think Swansea are in for a real period of struggle. The the change of ownership came at an awful time, uh, the change of manager came at an even worse time, and we really need to exploit that. I think if we can keep Guilfi Sigurdsson quiet, and we can preoccupy their defence with Victor and Ichabi, we have every every chance of of coming away from the Liberty Stadium with three points.
3: Can you yeah, I'm imagine though being? Can you imagine though being Kyle Norton watching Echebi against <laughs> Simpson this weekend? He must be absolutely crapping himself, like. And 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 I watched them. I've watched them a fair bit this season, Swansea, and it's quite clear where that where the problems lie. That they're really missing Ashley Williams. He wasn't the greatest defender in the world, and um, technically, but as a solid centre half, I don't think they get much better than Ashley Williams in the mid table. And he's he's gone now, and they have they've tried to replace him with two centre defenders, who one's a championship. Youngster Alfie Mawson, the guy who we, we were in with, and he, he actually chose Swansea over us. And then uh, I think it's, is it De Horn? Or something? It's a, I can't remember. Van, 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 De Van De Horn. Van De Horn, yeah. Uh, well. He is, he is poor. Like. I've, not, I've not been impressed whenever I've watched him. And I think Sunderland now have to just look at their issues. I've I said this before. Sunderland, Sunderland too often worry about what the other team are going to do to us. Uh, where the form side going into this game they're going to be worried about us they're going to be worried about Victor and Inicibi they're going to be worried about the fact that Defoe uh, needs very few chances to put the ball away and there'll be the, the the memories of Defoe scoring a hat trick on their turf last season will be fresh in the memory um, I think we really have to turn up and just go at them because their crowd like Tom says their crowd are going to hate it if they aren't on the front foot and We've already shown this weekend against a better team than Swansea that we can do it. So there's no reason why we can't go there and take the game to them. But I, I, I would really like to see, um, I would really like to see us go out and just go for it. Because if we don't, if we don't, then if it, we're we're going to start it. we're going to start panicking, and it's it's going to it's going to really set us back because at half time, uh, if we're not one 0 up, then we have to start thinking of a plan B. Because these are the poorer team, so I'm I'm quite optimistic though. I'm not going to worry too much about Swansea. I don't think other than Sigurdsson they've got anything really. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mm. think so. Yeah.
1: I think they they've they've conceded 17 goals in the last five games. I mean, if that does, if Domain Defoe and Victor should be should be rubbing their hands at that. And you got to say if they come out the blocks the same way they did on Saturday, you know, pedal to the medal get in their faces, quiet the crowd down. There is absolutely no chance that we won't win. There really isn't. We look a really decent team going forward. Um, if, you can keep it, if we can keep it tight, I have full confidence in the lads that they can get three points. I mean, we, we said, like, I, well, I, I said at the beginning of the season that um,
2: that Ashley Williams, when they sold Ashley Williams and Andre Ayou, I think within a space of, of a week of each other, um, I said they're going to have to buy incredibly well. To, to off to, to stave off relegation this season because that's their main goal scorer from last season and the main foundation of the reason that they were able to win the games that they did win because they were winning sort of 2-1 or 1-0 because Ashley Williams was that you know that leader at the back who helped them keep keep the clean sheets now he's gone and they are wide open at the back it's it's I I I struggle to remember a time when I've seen a team so disorganized and rudderless at uh, just in general, I mean, Tottenham were were just just enjoying themselves, just taking them apart. I mean, they've got players like Jordy Amat, and you know, Gab mentioned the other two centre backs as well, who who are very average players. And and Kyle Norton as well. I've never rated him as a fullback. I've always thought he was a bit of a fraud, to be honest. Um, so him up up against Victor Inichibi is is like you said. I just it might be difficult to watch, even for us. I mean, it might actually be quite cruel um watch <laughs> it at certain points. That. So point. um so well, that, yeah, I mean I, I, I think Leroy Fair, gilfie Sigurdsson are definitely their, their main attacking threats. They've got Fernando Lorente, who's best years behind him, but he's still a bit of a threat from you know in the air and, and they've got that like Borgia Baston who I admittedly haven't seen a lot of and he cost them a lot of money. Bob Bradley doesn't seem to fancy playing him Too much, and they, they, you know, they look, they just look aging. They look like they don't know what they want to do, how they want to play. Their passing style's gone. Are they going to launch it long up to the up to Lorente? Are they going to, you know, play intricately? Do they have the players for possession play anymore? There's all these questions, and they're trying to find out who we are. Much like we were a month ago, only now we've got the momentum. Now we've got a, a bit of an identity coming through. We've got players in form. And and if we come away from from that game without three points, it's it's an opportunity missed because they look they look awful. Put
3: it, mm. Put it this way, lads. Put it this way. This is how important Victor and each. I don't know if anybody has noticed, but every time Airport gets added into a tweet, uh, a Twitter poll, um, it wins. Like it doesn't matter what the subject matter is. Yes. It could be like yeah. if someone offered you a hundred million pounds or an airport, what would you take? Airport will win, but nah. Yeah. We've pulled people on Twitter, 78% would rather have Victor in each of you than an airport.
0: It seems, it seems <laughs> to me like all of our optimism and all of our plans for the near future just revolve around Big Vic, don't they? So, uh, all I need to hear now is that he's come down with <laughs> a stomach bug or something like that, or he's he stubbed his toe
3: and broken three toes or some crap like that. He has, he, has, he has a He has a question, and he's obviously very important to us and the way he plays, is vital really now to how we go out in games. So would anybody uh, would, would anybody expect us to go out in January and try and sign somebody else just like him? Or yeah. at least another big bulky forward? Yeah, 100%. That forward? I would, that. I would, Don't I would
0: get go for that anyway. That's something that I think every team should have. They should have an abundance of powerful like forwards. Do you know what I mean? People who can't be easily shoved off the ball and people who can hold the ball up. So I'd say, yeah, definitely. Well, What's Tommy, Tommy and Doi Tom?
2: doing? Yeah. Tom Tom mentioned uh, the MLS offseason. What's Big Josie doing over the pond? <laughs> 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 Don't even joke, oh, God, Callum. No. Jo-
3: <laughs> <laughs> jo- Josie and Giovinco back for the winter. Oh, that will be all right, wouldn't
2: it? I'm just looking
3: at I'm just looking at the free transfer list, and Adebayo's still going spare. Like, no, but, uh, we could, uh, maybe we could maybe uh, try and hypnotise him and tell him he's Victor like, and Echubby
1: and see if that works like Peter Crouch I think genuinely would be a decent oh, option God. because he doesn't get a game at Stoke and if you're looking at if if Victor and pill, um picks up an injury who are we going to be able to afford to bring in who fills that mould he's mold? got legs like rubber band. Do you know what I mean? But he's he played with DeFoe before he's not going to cost a lot for six months on loan, I think we could do a lot more. Do you not reckon?
3: Do you not reckon? Like in the past, because we, we, we've had big issues getting croutier in the past, like loads of times. Yeah. I remember, I remember one transfer window that they had him actually in Newcastle Airport, coming to where uh, coming to, meet with the club, and, and it never came off. And it's probably happened three or four times. Sun have been in from these, turned us down every time. But you've got to think at his age and his sta- the stage of his career, um, the chance to maybe link up with Defoe again. Seeing what Defoe's done at Sun, and say, you know. A player that was written off and wasn't playing in, in in a competitive league. I'm sorry, but the MLS isn't isn't what I would class as a competitive league. You've got to think, would he look at me, maybe something like that, and think I could go to Sunderland and really have a good you know, end of my career here? And I think Sunderland would probably take him. I think Moyes would love a player like that. He he loves an old, experienced bargain. Like so, I don't think he would be adverse to it.
0: Um, right? Yeah. Well, that's it for today. For this week. Uh, thanks for joining us don't forget you can subscribe on Acast you can get us on iTunes as well uh, if you want to get a question on the pod don't don't worry hit us up on the Twitter account we always ask uh, yeah it's been a good time and hopefully we'll have some more fantastic get the Ravon news for you next week so uh, thanks to you lads for joining me and uh, yeah this is Rokal Dwarf signing off